Alright folks, hello, my name is Maddie B, and I'm your host of There's Too Much to Think. As you can probably guess by the title, I will be going over the first Thanksgiving. I think it's very important to cover this topic, considering that November is Native American Heritage Month. Heritage, Heritage Month. I apologize. <clears throat> and so I just want to, you know, cover that and... Um, so it's for this that I will be discussing the dismemberment of someone and um, just the fact that us Europeans uh, conquered and took over and colonized this land. This was not our land to begin with. And I think it is very important to realize that, especially around this time of the year. And yeah. It's because of all the lives that were lost during this that we are here today. So I think that's very important to discuss. So, first things first, I want you to take everything you've ever been taught about Thanksgiving and throw it out the window. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, maybe not everything, everything, but... According to the New York Times uh, article I read on this, the timeline is a bit wishy-washy. The Mayflower did, in fact, bring the pilgrims from Plymouth, England, to what is now known as Plymouth, Massachusetts. (laughs) Talk about unoriginality, though. Like, came from Plymouth. Okay, we're going to name this place Plymouth now. In 1620 where the following year they had a feast for three days in November. The, made it, the native peoples who weren't um, mentioned, um, like their name wasn't mentioned when we grew up, um, were known as the Wampanoag, I think is how you say it, or um, Wampanoag. I, like, I did Google it. And the pronunciation said Wampanoag, but then I listened to an NPR um, interview and they had said Wampanoag. So I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. It is very likely that they, (laughs) that it's neither one of those options. So I apologize. But so the native peoples that lived there uh, were known as the Wampanoag tribe. Uh, hold on to that because I will be getting into more about them as well as another big tribe called the the Pequot so just hold on to that Uh, that being said however this celebration wasn't considered a thanks but more of a rejoicing in 1620 language right as an article by the New Yorker states uh, that a thanks quote-unquote requires fasting and quiet contemplation and prayer and so on and so forth Whereas a rejoicing, you feast, you party, you drink, you shoot things, you do, you know, um, you do, like, a bunch of different activities that are all based on, like, competition and speed and strength and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what you got. So... It is according to this article, as well as the New York Times article I mentioned earlier, uh, that explains that our version of Thanksgiving is not what it was back then. For starters, there were often two quote-unquote Thanksgivings, one in the fall and one in the spring, and 
more of the giving of thanks rather than the rejoicing kind, usually celebrating the winnings of the over Native Americans uh, and following the slaughters of the people. So more on that later. This story does get dark and it gets dark pretty fast. So secondly, this holly, uh, holiday wasn't considered to be a holiday until the 1830s, over 200 years past the first year. And it was only considered a holiday by New Englanders, and it wasn't actually considered a national holiday until 1863, signed off by former President Abraham Lincoln. Thirdly, uh, there were like there likely wasn't going to be turkey at the first Thanksgiving, but rather the feast that consisted of local finds like eels, shellfish, fish. And a Wampanoag dish named um, Nisamp, I think is how you say it, which was cornmeal mixed with veggies and meats. Uh, So these meals are obviously very different from your average turkey night. Uh, Fourthly, the incident shouldn't, um, this incident shouldn't really be considered the quote-unquote first Thanksgiving as both the Europeans and the natives have been doing celebrations like this one um, pretty much since they arrived. Uh, and finally, the Wampanoag tribe were not originally invited to the celebration. Once again, according to the New Yorker, a few members of the tribe had gone at the sound of the gunshots, had gone over at the sound of the gunshots because they were worried, uh, that the pilgrims were shooting off, but quickly realized there was no danger after some short filled stress moment um an uneasy peace fell upon the wampanoag um and they sat down to eat so there you go there's a quick rundown of thanksgiving i will be going into the wampanoag tribe um the pequot tribe and um as well as the massacres and how this all has to do with thanksgiving So, more about the Wampanoag tribe. So, um, I think it's important to understand that the two tribes that I'm going to mention today are the tip of the iceberg on what happened to the native people when we decided to colonize this land. Um, So, I just... (laughs) I just don't have enough time. So if you do want to go research this, I 100% suggest you do. It is on it. Like it horrified me. Um, Like I knew of like the Trail of Tears. I knew a lot of things. I thought I knew a lot of things about uh, the indigenous culture that we took over and the indigenous people that have died because of us and all of the babies literal children that were murdered because they were put in residential schools i thought i knew everything but i i didn't i so 
while I suggest you do it, and while I suggest you inform yourself, uh, especially during this time of the year, and like, while we're giving thanks to everybody for being around, and you know, all those things, I still think you should understand that what you're going to get into is not going to be an easy read. So, just prepare yourself. You know, just prepare yourself. But, so I'm going to talk about the Wampanoag tribe because it's one of the, like, one of the main tribes that were part of this um, surrounding, like, Thanksgiving and stuff like that. So I'm going to be covering the Wampanoag tribe as well as the Pequot tribe, like I mentioned earlier. So... I wanted to talk more about this tribe before everything happened, more about, like, its culture and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. Uh, before the English came in, the, uh, Wampanoag tribe, or, uh, in English, people of the first light. That is such a cool-ass name. Like, I'm sorry, but that is such a cool-ass name. So, spanned far and wide over practically all of New England and had been there for at least 12,000 years in 1620. Right? They were probably here since the beginning of time. Like, they are literally called the people of the first light. They were probably, like... Yeah. So... According to an article done by Britannica, they were almost, they were like kind of almost nomadic people. So the way it worked is they would, um, you know, they'd lived on, on islands and stuff that surrounded New England, like, uh, Martha's Vineyard and stuff like that, Rhode Island and stuff. But then they would, um, they would live there for like summer and spring, but would travel inward uh to like the other states when it got cold so yeah so they were almost nomadic people they had like fixed points on where they were supposed to go but whereas like nomadic people they're constantly wandering and stuff like that so almost but not really so because of how large the tribe was it had several villages with each village having its own local chief or sachem i think is how you say it um to give you an idea on how big this nation was because it really was a nation it started um as stated by the official mashpee wampanoag website there were once a total of 69 tribes each with their own little tweaks to the culture and traditions. One thing remained a constant, though. I apologize if you can hear the talking in the background. People love to talk in front of my door. At all hours of the night, literally last night, they were talking in front of my door at like 1 p or 1 a.m. So I apologize. There's really nothing I can do about it. This is an old-ass building, and it echoes. There's nothing I can do. So... I just hope that uh, it's covered up by the music. So, um, as stated by the official Mashpee uh, Wampanoag website, there were a total of 69 tribes, each with their own little tweaks in culture to traditions. Uh, one thing remained a constant, though, like in like every tribe, was the food. 
Uh, corn was a huge part of their diet, and when corn was no longer growable, it was supplemented by fish and game. Um, so, and to give you an idea on how much uh, the European invasion affected them, there are only three of those surviving tribes left. So, the Wampanoag, like many native tribes, didn't write anything down and passed uh, everything down by word of mouth, such as their language and so on, and continued to be this way until 1632, when they became the first Native American tribe to write down their stories in the English alphabet. So, when the elders of these tribes started to get sick and die to do due to the exposure of all sorts of new sicknesses that the Europeans had brought over, and they, like, they were completely isolated, so they had no way of fighting it off, because they didn't have immunity to these kind of illnesses, so they, and I'll bring it up later, but they very quickly started dropping and dropping like flies, uh, for lack of a better term, so... Yeah, their culture and language started to die off as well. As all of these old elders started to die, their culture and their language started to die as well. So in an interview with Anita, or Mother Bear, as she's known, Peters of the Wampanoag tribe, um, NPR describes her as one of the uh, advisors and leaders of her tribe. She's like in her 70s. And she's thriving. So Peters is quoted as saying in regards to the arrival of the pilgrims in 1620, quote, our prophecies told us that the pilgrims were going to come and that if they came in a peaceful way, all the different colors of humans could come to this country and make the best country in the world. But if they came with weapons in their hands, we were going to have many years of hard times and they were going to wipe us out, end quote. And sadly, it was not the first option. All right, the Pequot tribe. So the the Pequot were also known as the Fox people in uh, English. Uh, were a tribe that, much like the Wampanoag, lived in New England specifically in what is now known as uh, Connecticut. And since they lived roughly in the same area, it should come to no one's surprise that the Pequot people also lived off corn, fish, and game. And according to an article done by Tribal Nation, in the early 17th century, just over 8,000 people lived on 250 square miles of territory that the Pequot uh, had. So by 1774, there were only 100 and, uh, 151 people left. So that should say quite a bit. As stated by Britannica, as of 2018, there are estimated to be 3,000 people with Pequot roots. 8,000. Now only estimated to be 3,000. That's a lot um, of people that died. So, 
An interesting thing about the Pequot, though, is the fact that they combined their tribe with another one known as the Mohegan, I think is how you say it, um, as they both lived in the same valley in Connecticut known as Thomas Valley today. So the two tribes lived under one Pequot tree named uh, Sassicus, I think is how you say, that uh, was at least, um, that was at least until the Mohegan independence where they combined, um, they combined forces with the pilgrims uh, to do what they're about, what I'm about to tell you they did to the Pequot tribe. So, and their symbol is said to be, according to the Tribal Nation article, quote, the tribal symbol is both a reflection on the um, Massantucket Pequot past and a symbol of hope for the future. Framed against the sky, the lone tree on the knoll represents Massantucket, the, quote, much-wounded land, end quote where the Pequots hunted and kept alive their identity as an independent people. Displayed on the knoll is the sign of uh, Robin Cassisinamon, the Pequot first leader following the 1637 massacre at Mystic Fort. The fox stands for as a reminder that the Pequots are known as, quote, the fox people. End quote. The Bequot people were actually friendly and helpful to the settlers, at least at first. That was before um, the settlers started to encroach on their land and kept encroaching, and quite literally, they had no room for their people. Uh, remember, at this point, like I said before, there were 8,000 people living there, and they had nearly they had been there for nearly 10,000 years. So much like the Wampanoag, they had been there for a really long time. Um, so in retaliation, the Pequot made a trading deal with the Dutch to get back at the settlers. Like, they were kind of petty about it. Which, like, go you. So many small things happened between the settlers and the native tribe before the summer of 1636. So when a Boston trader was murdered, presumably by a Pequot uh, native, and a small party was sent out to attack native villages and their crops, it should surprise no one that a massacre ensued. And this is where I'm going to talk about the Pequot Massacre. The Pequot Massacre. I'm sure with a name like that, you can imagine that this is not an easy section of the podcast. So here is your warning. This section involves burnings, slaveries, and and slaughtering. Okay. As stated by an article done by History, the Puritans and the Mohegan tribe combined forces with under Captain John Mason... The murder of the Boston trader ended up being the cause of the burnings and slaughterings of at least 500 native men, women, and children, and it did not stop there. Um, 
By spring of 1637, there were 13 European deaths, and in response, the Europeans advances on the Pequot again, and the Pequot attacked on April 23rd that year. 200 Pequot um, retaliated by killing six European men and three women, taking two girls away in the process. I'm sure you can imagine what happened to those girls. I'm not going to talk about it. So... Barely a month later, uh, two hours before dawn, the Pequot tribe were brutally awoken by the Puritans attacking their village, killing all but a handful of Pequot inhabitants, and the Puritans continued. They attacked three more villages soon after. Just like that, nearly 8,000 people were slaughtered. The healthy men who were left of the tribe were sold into into slavery. Those who managed to get away then hid in other uh, tribes nearby. So listen, I understand that murder isn't acceptable. It never is. For legal reasons, I will say it never is. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So... And those who killed the 22 people should have been punished. I 100% agree with that. Murder isn't acceptable. However, the only reason that this happened was because the colonizers couldn't honor the agreement uh, that they had with the people, and they stole their land that they stole their land from. And as a result, they nearly wiped out a whole nation of people. None of that should have ever happened because before this both tribes were friendly both tribes were friendly to the colonizers uh the europeans whatever you want to fucking call them they were nice they were kind and they treated them with respect the wampanoag taught these settlers how taught the pilgrims how to grow crops Because they were dying. And then that following November, when they had a feast about it, they weren't even fucking invited. And it was on their land. I'm sorry, what? So yeah. Yeah. Um. This... Yeah, um, so now with that, I'm gonna go on to the Wampanoag Massacre, because, like I said, they do not stop. Alright, the Wampanoag Massacre, let's go. So this kind of massacre, while still brutal, wasn't as physically violent, but it had um, it had more to do with sickness, as I mentioned before. According to an article done by Smithsonian Magazine before 1492, aka the whole Chris Columbus situation and the first ever, ever settle, settlements in America were happening, the entire continent was practically isolated. So when the settlers came into town, they brought all sorts of diseases with them. 
The native tribes around them quite literally started dropping like flies as they didn't have any kind of immune system to deal with this new sickness. The pilgrims then, a little under 200 years later, believed that this was part of God's plan as nearly 90%, yes, 90% of the surrounding Native Americans group groups had died due to the sickness. 90%. That is insane. So... This only made the uh, Wampanoag survival rate slimmer when it left them to the exposure of another tribe who was now greatly outnumbered them. So the Wampanoag did what they had to do. Despite everything, they, gre- they greeted the pilgrims with kindness and agreed that if the English were to share their weapons so that they might be able to defend themselves from the neighboring tribes trying to take over their land, then they would help the pilgrims uh, with growing crops so they'd survive the winter. Uh, there may be, there may have been some peace in the beginning, but it did not last. Much like the Pequot, the settlers were encroaching ever more on the Wampanoag territory and outright taking advantage of the tribe's trust in them. So when the current leader of the Wampanoag tribe died at the time and his son met a comet took over 50 years later, everyone had quite had literally had enough. They were like, yep, yep, we're done. So, Metacomet's men were executed for killing a language interpreter and a Christian convert, John Sassisman. Uh, and in an article done by The Insider, uh, it states that, quote-unquote, the King Philip's War began because the pilgrims couldn't even use Metacomet's real name. They only knew of him as King Philip. How the fuck are those two, like, those two do not sound the same. So, uh, the war was brutal and bloody, killing 30% of the pilgrims and nearly half of the Native American population that was left. Keep in mind, 90% of the population was already killed due to the disease. So now of the remaining 10%, there was only 5% of the population that had been there for over 12,000 years. 12,000 years of them surviving, of them thriving, of them figuring out how life works. They were nearly wiped out and only 10% of them lived and then they immediately got massacred. And now only 5% of them and their descendants are alive. So, for those who are wondering, Metacomet, uh, he was murdered, uh, dismembered, and his head was placed on a spike for all of the colonists to see for 25 years. 25 years, his head decomposed. And nobody did anything. They just walked by it. That's a whole ass human adult. That's when our brains stopped developing, you guys. 25 years old. That's when your brain stopped developing. So, I'm sure by now you're asking me all of this is horrifying. Sure. But what does this have to do with Thanksgiving, the holiday? Well, I'll get into that.
So, I'll give it to you. Technically, none of this happened on the last Thursday of the month that Abraham Lincoln officially named Thanksgiving. But what I do think is important to understand is the holiday's history. As I mentioned before, according to the New York Times article, there used to be multiple Thanksgivings a year following big events like the ones I've covered here. So people were giving thanks to the fact that they nearly wiped out a whole civilization when they really didn't need to. We were just greedy. Which ironically, isn't that a sin? And weren't the pilgrims religious uh, and they wanted religious freedom? Like, isn't that the whole reason they came over here? So I think it's funny that the religious people who literally have uh, pride, greediness, and so on and so forth as the like 10 sins that you can have and the 10 virtues you can have and you happen to be one of the most greedy sons of bitches out there. We were like that. We all came from, unless you know for certain that like you're related to some royalty in fucking England. We all came from those assholes that murdered and pillaged, raped, and burned women, men, and children alive. So I think it's, I think I'm going to end this on a quote from Anita Peterson's cousin, Paula Peters. Uh, She is a Wampanoag writer and historian. In the interview with NPR, when asked about the foreseeing of it, a future where people don't celebrate this holiday anymore since it is considered a day of mourning for a lot of indigenous people and their ancestors that they lost due to the uh, colonization of America. She had said that she had had this to say, quote, well, I, I foresee a time when people can celebrate Thanksgiving and still acknowledge the real truth of the story. I think that the idea that Abraham Lincoln had um, to bring people together to unify one, uh, to unify one, is of course always a a laudable idea. But it is also important to ignore, uh, not to ignore the real history, and the fact that the Wampanoag people are still here. And I foresee a day that people across America and around the world that no matter on uh, that world for that matter, on Thanksgiving, remember not just to be grateful for their bounty on their own table, but also remember that the Wampanoag are still here and we are still a thriving tribe, end quote. So... With that, folks, that is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that this, you know, resonates with some of you and you take into consideration that if you do, in fact, celebrate Thanksgiving, that you're here because of the things that happened in the episode, in this episode that I discussed. So it is important to understand the history behind this and to understand that this is a day of mourning for a lot of families. So, with that being said, 
Um, hopefully next week, because I gave you two pretty awful stories back to back. Um, I'm going to end a really sad story about how the Little Mermaid might be a gay allegory <laughs> that, and about unrequited love. So now I'm going to hop on next week and hopefully have like a fun spooky cryptid for you all because, you know, this stuff gets depressing sometimes. So with all that being said, uh, this is Maddie B. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of There's Too Much to Think. Bye-bye.